hết đường cùng quanh Good evening, church, and welcome to tonight's Bible study. Um, well, our current series on understanding the kingdom of God from parables has to give way to today because today is a very special occasion in our personal lives. That's Pastor um, Jessica and yours truly. It's our anniversary. Exactly today, uh, 10 years ago, we exchanged vows as husband and wife. And uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I think seven ten. By now we were dancing away. We we're dancing away. I I really danced that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that day. So uh, we had we had fun. So today, bit bit for the occasion, we just wanted to share some lessons we've learned. We've learned numerous lessons. The difficulty was trying to narrow it down to ten. Um, but for the occasion, we just want to title this 10 Lessons and uh, 10 Years of Marriage. So today we will tag team and, and teach, and we will all do five apiece. Uh, I hope we can breeze through these quickly for Q&A because we wanted it to be interactive. Amen. Uh, confession, marriage is one of the least things I delight in preaching. And <laughs> my wife, my wife even knows it. Um of the two, I consider my wife equally adept and uh, much better when it comes to this topic. For me, I just like to listen. I like to listen, like to uh, learn, write notes, be an attendant than a speaker. And when when I, when um, necessity is laid upon me to be a speaker, it kind of get a bit unnerving for me. Amen. But I trust that with God's grace. Uh, we will manage through this uh, very quickly, amen. Let me start off with a scripture, Lamentations 3, verse 22, because it's the reason why we have seen 10 years. And the scripture says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. We have come this far because of the Lord's mercies, honestly. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's in the Lord's mercies that we find compassion. If you want to know the Lord's compassion, experience the Lord's mercies. And his mercies are compassions. And his compassions, it fails not. We won't say we are authorities when it comes to the subject of marriage. Or we know it all. Or even we know the combination to the, of, of, uh, to the secret codes of making a marriage work. I wouldn't say that is the reason. We haven't always put our best foot forward. But God's mercies have really sustained us. And I believe that's really the key factor to why uh, we are celebrating this day. So our hearts today are so full of gratitude and appreciation to God. Uh, amen. So uh, before I talk, let me talk about three classes of people. And when I look here, I don't think any of us fall in these three classes. But of course, it, it, it will be put on podcasts and anybody who listens might be blessed by that. Uh, if you haven't married, don't feel like a failure. Sometimes you go to churches and they are making altar calls for singles. I mean, sing singleness is not a disease. So if, if you are single and when you come across a marriage teaching, don't feel like a failure because oftentimes they do. And uh, it's, it's our prayer and of course our ambition that we will not be that kind of people that will castigate singles. Amen. 
Um, if you are struggling in your marriage, Karen, you don't feel like a failure. Because sometimes when people are struggling in their marriages and they come across teachings like this, they tend to blame the partner. You see, did you hear what Frank said? Frank takes the trash in the morning. You don't take the trash. Look, your husband is a might worker. Have you forgotten? So sometimes when you tend to uh, deflect blame, it, it's rather um, worsens the, 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 the harmony in the marriage. So if you are struggling in marriage, don't feel like a failure and don't compare, no, no finger pointing. And then the, the third and fourth, I'll put them in one bracket. If you are separated or divorced, don't feel like a failure. So if you happen to be in any of these classes, this teaching is not meant to condemn. Uh, we come with a heart of empathy and we just want to share what we have learned and believe that maybe if it comes across board in my assembly, somehow be a blessing. Amen. Mm -hmm. So with that, let me start the first one. The first lesson I've learned is an early start. An early start. What do I mean by an early start? Um, please, it is not too late to begin healthy practices and healthy habits to make your marriage work. It's never too late. As far as you are in the union, there is nothing like it's late. However, it is better when you can start it off within the first year. The reason why I say that is that many of the things that we've been able to accomplish, it was started in the first year. The framework was built in the first year. So from years two to 10, currently, whatever we've been able to do is hanged on the foundation of what we began in the first year. Amen. So it's um, advisable. It will, however, be more expedient if, if you can get things running within the first year. But like I said, if you've never had healthy habits and you are still being in a marriage relationship, it's never too late. But I think for those who start within the first year, it's more of an advantage. I say um, that because in our first year, we implement things like money dates, where we sit down and talk about money once a month. I think that really helped. Um, what my wife earns and what I earn is not a mystery. It's very open. We, we, we know what we earn. We know what we both bring to the table in terms of finances. So, we are able to level expectations very well. That is very necessary. Um, so that, that really helped. Things like even long-term goals. I do remember um, in the first year, within the first year of our marriage, we had of a man of God coming to preach in New Jersey. And that was Dr. Nelson Tabo, for those of you who might know him. And we decided to attend you know, because great teacher and great man of God. And the subject that he preached that day was very fascinating. He either talked about developing a 20-year plan. And I do remember when we came home, we were grateful we had this because this was within the first year of our marriage. Mm -hmm. And we drew a 20-year plan that night before we slept. And currently, that has been sort of like the um, yardstick by which we measure a lot of goals. So that's really helped. So what I'm trying to say is that try and do things, get as much as you can within the first year and get it running. It, it really it really spells the trajectory of a marriage union. All right? Okay. All right, my turn. So um, 
so small so he got to give an intro i'm gonna do an intro a small small intro so it's 10 lessons i learned in 10 years so the ones that i picked are i think ones that i felt were the most crucial um and that really helped increase um bonding uh between us so though that's kind of like what i used to pick the ones, the lessons that I learned through marriage. And like he said, it's it's been a lot of them um, that we've learned, but the ones that, like I said, I picked were ones that really, like I could say, really helped a lot. Like they were, some of them were even turning points, I would say, in marriage. Like we all have seasons, we all have different uh, points in life where we're at. And um, I would say that it really helped our relationship so but that's how I picked them so my mine first one that I'm going to share is how to communicate with each other so that was a big one for me because um you know females we love to talk just in general we love talking we love chatting I like you know sharing details with him you know um, and sometimes I noticed, like I would be put off sometimes, like he would come home from work or he's busy, you know, doing something. And I'm thinking it's okay to come and that's the time to talk. So when I mean how to communicate each other, I, I learned that there's timing. There's, you have to read the room, Right what space is your spouse in, what mood are they in, the tone in which you speak, uh, being sincere and honest and loving in language is also important. And then there are differences when you're talking to a male versus when you're talking to a female. Um, and so I, I realized early that it's important that I'm specific when I'm speaking with him. So, you know, specific being um oh oh and my voice goes up and down. Let me get closer. Okay. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Is that better? Yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So um okay, what was I? Okay, be specific. So um I I realized like sometimes um, you know, we talk out of our emotions, you know, um, and instead of saying, well, it bothered me when you did X, Y, Z, rather than just saying, I'm feeling angry with you, you know? So I realized, see, you're right, isn't it? Can you agree? So like, I learned that I had to be specific with action and then how did that make me feel versus just putting out emotion. So learning how to communicate um, with him was something that really turned things around for me because then uh, my communication with him was more effective, right? And I started being able to get my points across. I was able to communicate better how I felt about certain things because I'm picking the right time. I'm looking at his mood. I'm, um, you know, sometimes you feel like, well, I need to talk about something now. 
you know, I need to address it today, you know, and um, if there's something that needs to be addressed in the moment, I, I think then just say, you know, this is really important. Can I have some of your time right now before you just start spilling out? Um, because then you show that, you know, you're respecting the other person's time. So I think, you know, and, and then personality plays a role too. So uh, knowing our spouse's personality and how to, and then maneuvering that to have effective communication. I think that's it. Amen. Amen. That's a good one. That's so true. I think one of the things that I had to make an adjustment was I tend to get very lost when I'm doing something. I can be totally very engrossed. You know, so when I'm when I'm that way, I can easily phase you out. But I, I've I've had to learn that you live with somebody, you you have to come out, do what you gotta do, and then go back in. So I think for me that was a course adjustment I needed to make. All right, all right. The next thing that I've learned, I think this one, this particular lesson might be relative, right? Is marrying in your thirties has an upside. Uh, when we got married, we were in our 30s. I, I feel like it has an upside. Um, studies have even shown that the frontal loop of your brain is not fully developed until it's 30, right? So the, the frontal loop of your brain is where functions like planning, uh, memory muscle, uh, you know, responding by impulse, where all those actions take place. It says that it develops at 30, fully developed at 30. Um, so sometimes when you you come into a marriage, you know, at age 30, you are a bit seasoned for life, you know, a bit, a bit seasoned. Uh, however, it's great to shoot for marriage in your early 20s too. Uh, we are not advocating against that. I, I'll say that my father, um, <laughs> I'll say that my, my father is one of my greatest role models. And even though he's dead, I, I won't use past tense like was, is, because I'm still learning some life lessons from him. One, one of the things I wanted to do badly was to get married at the age he got married. My dad got married at 24. He gave birth to me at 26. And then my sister at age 30. You know, we only two kids, right? So that was it. So I was shooting for, I want to get married between 24 and 25. That was, that was my goal, you know. With the benefits of hindsight, I'm glad I didn't get married in my 20s. Maybe it happened because God orchestrated it not to be so. Because I feel like if I had married in my 20s, I, I wouldn't have been very matured enough like him to meet the demands of marriage and probably would have not been able to meet the needs of my spouse. So probably that marriage would have ended up in disaster. So I, I'm glad uh, that, that goal uh, was frustrated or didn't work. But <laughs> even in corporate America, they, they would like to take people who are in their 20s, not people who, who are in their 30s. Because when you are in your 30s, you are a bit seasoned. Let's say you finish school at age 22 and you are in the workforce. And let's say you are 30. You have at least 80 years of working experience. Versus the person who is 22, who just graduated, he just waved his uh, cap, right? You know, what, what experience does he have? So those two employ, uh, uh, potential employees who will be recruited, they come with different experiences. One will thrive on passion and energy, 
enthusiasm. The other will, will, will work more on reason and logic. So for example, if you are in corporate America and your manager comes with, oh, in our next quarter, we want to have a 200% increase in sales. If you are 22 or 23, we'll say, yes, we can. If you are in your 30s, you start to reduce it to logic and reason and you will start calculating. But what are you talking about? We have 20 days in a month minus weekends. That's 60 days. In 60 days, can we uh, uh, have a 200% crazy? You start to break down things to a science. And corporate America, even though they appreciate logic and reason, Sometimes it has to give way to passion and enthusiasm and having a possibility mentality that it can be done. So you see, it, it creates that uh, um, um, barrier why sometimes people in their 30s might not be employable, quote-unquote, versus those in their 20s. Because 20s, you, 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 you have a lot of passion, you love, have a lot of zeal, you have a lot of enthusiasm. Sometimes when people are in their 20s, some of the ways to best channel that passion and that zeal is maybe to enter into marriage. Sometimes it's, it, it's not one book that fits all. But what I'm trying to say is that sometimes when you're in your 30s, you come in, you know what to do. For example, when we got married, we're in our 30s, um, there, there were not too many trials and errors. You know, we all knew what we wanted. We had all been in previous relationships. Mm -hmm. We know what to expect. We leveled our expectations. We are able to differentiate fantasy from reality. I, I think that came with age and, 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 and other factors. But two things I am not saying. I am not saying that um, you shouldn't marry in your 20s. That's not what I'm saying. And I am also not saying that the best time to marry is in your 30s. This fact, this particular lesson to which is all, I just really think when it comes to this subject matter on, on, on marrying your 30s has an upside. I'm looking more of our personal experience in our marriage. I hope you can all understand that. All right. Can I chime in a little yeah, bit? Okay. Sure. Yeah, so... Um... I think really it's it's uh, obviously you can get married at any age that you want to get married at, like thirties, forties, fifties. But I think like the main underlying thing is maturity and readiness, right? And um, for both of us, that happened to be in our thirties, and um, that really worked out. Um, and I don't think that anybody should get pressured to get married no matter what age, um, because at the end of the day, it's your decision you're going to have to live with. Um, and I think that that's something that I, I, I thought was good, even though, like he said, I think I was in the same boat like him. I, I would have rather have gotten married earlier on. Um, it didn't work out that way. Um, but when we got married, even though it was in our 30s, I, I was like, I'm, I'm mature, I'm ready. I felt very ready for what came next. Um, you know, we like he said, we were both in previous relationships and we learned, you know, I think there's a saying, they say that you gotta, what is it? Once you, you, you know what garbage is, then you know what good is, you know, kind of thing. 
And uh, sometimes we have to go through through those things. But at the end of the day, we shouldn't make that a failure in our life. And no matter what point in time that uh, God happens to bring that perfect person, perfect person, so to speak, perfect for you um, into your life, it's good and it's going to be good and it's going to work out. And I think that that's the upside that I saw with getting married, you know, a little bit, you know, considered later um, than we would have wanted. Okay, so with that said, my next point is helping each other grow. So um, helping each other grow is, is something that I realized that, you know, he's an individual and I'm an individual and we make a, one marriage work, right? But um, just because we're making one marriage work doesn't mean that I neg- don't see him as his own person. So how does that mean? How does that uh, come to like helping each other grow? Meaning you support each other's growth and goals as a person. And I think that's something that never stops. You know, we, like he said earlier on, we shared our goals with each other. We made a 20 year plan and uh, we made decisions based on that early on. Um, And even if you haven't done that, you want to do that now, you can still do that now. Um, And as we started to help each other, you know, he had certain goals that he wanted to accomplish. And I decided I wanted to support that. And he also, you know, when it comes to me, like I can speak for myself, like when it came to like uh, lessons in leadership and learning to lead better, um, I learned them from him. And so, um, and he, you know, would guide me, he would uh, give me books and things like that, so that I could develop that. I just wanted to use that as an example, um, because I think it's important when you allow your spouse to bloom, it really actually brings the both of you together. And I think that it's really, really important, Uh, just giving each other safe respecting personal choices and decisions, uh, being able to provide sincere feedback without judgment, supporting each other's goals. Because then we feel, the word I'm looking, fulfilled. And when an individual is fulfilled, they're happier together as, as, as a unit. Amen. All right. That's very good. Well, my next lesson, let me just flip the 30s. Marrying in your 30s can also have a downside. So for for me, like I'm saying, these two points are personal. It's relative because it's our experience. We're talking about what we've learned, right? Um, It can pose as a challenge on a mental level. You know, many people stop learning at age 30. Some even stop earlier. Earlier in the sense that after after graduation, they don't learn. They just cruise through life. But in your 30s, it's very difficult to form habits. You you have an inflexibility when you're in your 30s. You you become hesitant to adopt foreign concepts 
That's the great thing about being in your 20s. When you're in your 20s, you have the ability to adopt certain trends, new concepts, and things like that. And one of the things that can put a strain on your marriage is inflexibility, when you become too inflexible. So sometimes the, the downside of marrying your 30s is that you are coming with your set of experiences. The other parties come with certain, and you're all 30. Sometimes it, it tends to be a challenge. So inflexibility definitely puts a strain on marriage. And let me also talk about this. In your 30s, one of the things that is a downside to marriage is biologically speaking, it, it puts on a strain on like having kids or anything and, and stuff like that. So when, when I talk about kids, let me be plain here. Look at me. Don't look at my wife. We don't have kids, but look at me. Because sometimes when, let, 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 let me just address how people think. Many a times when there are no children in a union, many people will like to point to the woman. It could be the man. All right, so look at me. Don't look at her. All right, so let, let me just say that very clear. But what I'm trying to mean is that, generally speaking, in your 30s, it, it becomes more difficult to be able to start a family. That is a downside. Um, with that said, we are not saying that this is a permanent situation, but it is something that needs to be addressed head on. All right. So that that those are uh, things that being in your 30s come it, it's a downside. It, it poses a mental challenge, the inner inflexibility to adopt new concepts and, and change your trajectory. It becomes rare because 30 are so set in your ways. Everything is set in stone. It becomes kind of difficult to do that. And then also it, it might pose a certain um, biological risk to us. Well, like when it comes to having kids and things like that. But thank God for breakthroughs and advancements in science. Now people are giving birth way earlier, way later, yeah. you know, like in their 40s and 50s without even IVF and things like that. So. That needs to be said. But how be it that 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 risk factor still needs to be mentioned that when you marry in your 30s, that is something you need to be aware of, know of, yeah. and then okay. know, know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Amen. The next one is striving to meet each other's needs. So I told my husband, I said, this one, you know, um, we we read a book. Um the both of us during our premarital counseling that really ministered to me. And it was, uh, uh, how does it go? Her needs, his needs, his needs, needs, her needs, that's it. His needs, her needs. And um, I really got a lot out from that book because it really made me understand that uh, uh, his needs, a male, um, are very different than female needs so or my needs and um it was a big eye-opener for me because it really helped me to understand him more as as a person um you know because we're not the same we're not the same and but we make one union right and um that's something that we have to be aware of so when it came to that, I, I realized, you know, there's that saying that, oh, happy, happy wife, happy life, right? I would rather extend that to say happy spouse is a happy life. When we make each other happy or when we strive 
each person individually to make the other person happy. You make your life overall happy. And so knowing how to do that is going to be the the thing, right? Knowing how to make the other person happy, which is why I like that book so much. And, you know, if you guys um, want us to not Amazon, definitely you can buy that I think I mentioned this book before. Uh, five love languages, which is also really good because it really helps to know how to meet your spouse's needs. You know, because they're very different. Like mine are tend to be more on the emotional side, and he knows that. I think as we've grown in marriage, he's realized that certain things mean more to me than than a piece of jewelry. You know, and honestly, because it, it really ministers to me that he's there for me, you know, and that's something that you want to communicate to your spouse. Um, but each person receives that differently. So how do I let them know that I'm there for them? How do I let that person know that I'll support them? That's going to be the tricky part because you're thinking, well, this is how I receive that. I'll reciprocate the same, but you're not communicating that at all. It's really possible. So um, I think that that's important, just striving to meet each other's needs. Amen. Amen. One of the things I had to really change from was how I give gifts. I'm a very lazy shopper. I, I struggle with gifts. I really, really, really struggle. You know, um, before I got married, if I wanted to buy a gift, I always asked the female, you know, and the female would give me an idea and I'll just give the person money and blah, blah. I'm a very lazy. I, I give gifts, but to put a thought into it, it just drives me crazy. So when we got married, like sometimes I think about what do I get for her? I'll just write her a check, get it. <laughs> and she she doesn't like that. <laughs> You know, like, why, why do you just give me a check? You know, I'm like, yeah, I mean, the thought counts, right? I'm giving you a gift, but I, I came to realize that, look, that is not gift given. To her, to her, she sees that it's no thoughts. It's just laziness, you know? So for her to meet her need, I've had to make a very concerted and a painful effort. And it's still a painful effort for me. I start to make a painful effort to now have a lot of thoughts in my gifts, and I, I think by the grace of God, I, I have done, I've done well so far. Done well. Yeah. well, if she says I do well, then I, I do. I've, I've now learned how to wrap gifts, you know. And she always praises me like, wow, you know how to really wrap. Yeah, I've learned how to wrap. I've, I'm not a, a, a gift like wrap test. I'm more of, let me just give you money. I'll just sign a check. Just get it. And then I'm done with that. <laughs> yeah you take a check <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah but for her that doesn't minister to her that thoughts into giving her a gift whether even if it's a five dollar gift it's just the thoughts um you you went out think out of you but if you give her money she will never be impressed at all she's least impressed by that yeah so i've learned that yeah all right my next lesson is see differences or appreciate uniqueness. Naively, in my first year of marriage, I thought not seeing we are different will cause us to grow closer. I mean, it did, but the outside world saw a difference. Of course, we are different. Our color is different. So we are not colorblind to that. 
but it's 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 skin deep down color, skin deep down race. What we are trying to say is that appreciate everything that makes your spouse unique. Everything. Don't don't strive for uniformity. Because sometimes that might be the cause of strifes and uh, disharmony in marriage. Wife wants the husband to be like her. Husband wants the wife to be like him. It creates conflict. Appreciate the difference. See the difference that she's different. This is what makes her unique. She comes with her own unique set of skills. And don't allow the differences to drive a wedge. Rather, see the uniqueness like the black and white keys on the piano. You need both of them to create harmony in music. So for me, that that I, I, I've, I came in with that concept and that has helped us. I mean, don't be fooled by we've dressed alike. We are not alike at all. If you should stay with us, you will see we are complete opposites. We have very few things that we are similar in. Very, very, very few. Very few. But what has really helped us to stay the course is that we have learned to say that you are different. And whether you are different, of course, it's different than skin color. Of course, skin color, we are different. But you are different. You have your self skills, character, temperament, what have you. And now, how am I able to marry my uniqueness with your uniqueness to create a blend that will produce harmony in the relationship? So we, we have, I have learned that. Amen. So with that being said, um, the one that I'll chip in now is uh, knowledge is power. Uh, you know, I... Like I said, early early on, we did the premarital counseling. Um, and I think just, because it takes humility, right? Just humbling yourself and being like, let me listen to what this person has to say about marriage um, and gain from them, right? And I think that when we did that, when we made that decision to do the premarital, counseling and just talk to somebody and make sure that we were talking about everything that we need to talk about and uh, just laying down that foundation early on like he's mentioned that a few times he mentioned that early on um it made a big difference Um, like I said you know because we did the premarital counseling they made us read books he made us read books and so for me I learned a lot from the books. There's a few books that I learned that really helped me understand marriage, you know, because like my background didn't really set me up to have a, um, what's the word, is the word good I'm looking for? Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Working marriage. You know, a marriage that works, you know what I'm saying? Um, because if it works, then it, you can work it to be good. Um, and so, you know, reading those books help give me the information that I needed to help me make it work. You know, I think uh, sometimes you know, um, because early on, before we got married, like even married couples will make it seem like 
sometimes it's easy, you know, like uh, it'll just it'll just happen. It's okay, you know. Um, and then the movies don't help. Media doesn't help to really help you like be prepared for what's the road ahead. And um, I I feel like the more knowledge that we gain on how to make a marriage work helps so much. You know, um, I I not only read books, but just the counselors that we had, he, they, they were with us for at least the first, was it three, four years, right? Uh, as people that we could just tap into and ask questions, you know, um, even now we have people that we could still have people that I could ask questions and I'm still reading books and I read blogs on marriage because you enter certain seasons in marriage and sometimes you're just like, what's happening? I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to navigate this, you know, and the last thing that you want is for a season to cause a wedge or to allow it to separate you. Um, instead, you know, and, and of course there's also Bible description. Right? That's definitely a book I need um, because it definitely offers just wisdom and advice on just dealing with um, people, right? And you have to understand that your husband or your wife is a person too with emotions, feelings, because sometimes you can take that for granted as you're going on in the years. Um, and then just keeping that in mind that, you know, my spouse um, has feelings, they have emotions, you know, um, respect to respect each other. Um, and just using scripture and applying just a simple principle, especially the one on forgiveness. You think that your your spouse will never hurt you. You think that your spouse will never Will always meet your need all the time. And it, and it just, I mean, a lot of us who are married, you can attest to that. And just being able to forgive um, constantly is going to be something that you, that you need. Amen. So knowledge is power. Well, and the knowledge, it shouldn't just stop after you are married. Mm -hmm. Even in your marriage, still gain some knowledge. For example, every month of October, we dedicate that month for Seska and I just to learn more on marriage, read more on marriage, listen to uh, marriage seminars, whatever they have going on. And that's how we are able to um, oil the creaky parts of our marriage. Every marriage has a creaky part. And, and what will um, um, help that or will oil that creaky part is knowledge. So... Uh, never stop learning. With that said, let me just recommend three books. Three books were recommended to us when we were, when we were doing premarital counseling. So it, it, will, it will not be remiss of me if I mention them, if you've read them good. Um, One Flesh by Bob Yandian. I've, I've read many marriage books. I'll, I'll consider that book to be one of the best or one of the top three books on marriage. Powerful book. If you get that book to read, uh, you'll be blessed. Second, his Needs, Her Needs by um, William F. Harley Jr. That is a very good book. Um, that book really ministered to me. It, it shows you how to live with a female counterpart as a male and as a female, it shows you how to live with a male counterpart, you know? So that, that that really helps. There are some people who make that uh, excuse like, oh, man, I, I don't know how to live with a woman because I went to a boys' school. 
get his needs heard. It will will address that issue. And then the third, The Act of Marriage. Very good book by Tim and Beverly Lahai. Uh, I don't hear too much of them. I remember somewhere in the 90s, they were foremost authorities when it came to marriage. So um, those books are good. So if you read them uh, and and apply, not just reading it, but also making a concerted effort to apply the truths in those books, it will go a long way. With that said, let me give my last lesson. My last lesson is appreciate conflict. Appreciate it. Many times we treat conflict like COVID. (laughs) We we always think that something is wrong. Nothing is wrong with you when you have conflict. When you have conflict, it means that you are not faking it, which is very good. It also reveals to you your spouse's likes and dislikes, your spouse's turn-ons and turn-offs. So conflict simply means that both parties have to develop effective conflict resolution skill. The difference between a successful and an unsuccessful marriage is how they deal with conflict. It's not the absence of conflict. Every marriage has conflict. Every marriage has seasons of disagreement, intense, heated moments. That is how you deal with the conflict. And she just mentioned them passing, forgiving each other. So one of the ways, one of the effective conflict resolution skills you have is continual forgiveness. Continual forgiveness. So that that that, that speaks to it. And so I'll just give the time for one to her. And the last one is uh, not staying angry at your spouse um because what i what i realized probably like third fourth year or so something like that um was that my anger was hurting me more than it was hurting him right so in, in, in effect it just hurts the marriage overall um and it doesn't it doesn't solve problem it doesn't help you progress it just, it just doesn't help at all. So I, and I, I left it because it goes hand in hand with what he's saying, um, appreciating conflict. Um, because sometimes we're angry because we don't know how to talk about what bothers us. Um, and we have to be able to come forward and just letting it all out, you know, in a safe, in a safe space. Right. Um, so I know that I've been I've been really angry sometimes if if to be transparent. Um I've been very angry and I've had to just take a deep breath, pray, talk to God first, and then still come. It doesn't mean I avoid the conflict altogether. I'm not saying don't don't talk about it. Definitely you need to talk about it. Um and just share with each other what is bothering. Amen. Yeah, I think that the Bible verse says, uh, "Don't let the sun go down your anger," and that's that's very very important. I think when we hold on to anger, it it makes us shoot things out our mouth more to hurt the situation, and it hurts your partner more because you just you're holding on to that anger, and it becomes resentment, um, and it just makes a hole. And it's harder to get out of that hole the more you keep it, you know. Um, the earlier you solve that, the less the, the 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 more you can continue just moving together and walking together. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. 
sometimes in order to create peace, there has to be war. Yeah. It's necessary. Yeah. In order to have a smooth sailing, you need to rock the boat. Oh, yep. So don't avoid this. Don't be scared. Yeah. Just be direct and confront it or confrontational. Amen. So I think let's go through our 10 points again. So that's for the sense of recapitulation. So we can start from one to five and I'll read one to five. All right. So my first one is how to communicate with each other. Second was helping each other grow. Third was strive to meet each other's needs. Four was knowledge is power. And my fifth one is uh, not staying angry at your spouse. And my five were number one, an early start. Number two, marrying your 30s has an upside. Three, marrying your 30s has a downside. Four, see differences or appreciate uniqueness. And five, appreciate conflict. We pray tonight has ministered to you and you took something home. So on this note, we just want to say thank you for giving uh, us your ears and your hearts to this session. Amen. I think we are done now. It was it was fairly painless, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we yeah. want to make that in time. We don't mind if we go beyond the time the time a bit. Yeah. yeah so we're yeah, fine. If if you have any questions, the floor is open. Anything you learned, anything that resonated with you? Yeah. 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 Pastor Steve, um, I have a question. So first of all, I'll say congratulations for um ten years. Thank you. Um, I've always told my, I mean, I just told my wife recently that before people start talking about marriage or before they start giving out counseling about marriage, they should first wait to be ten years. <laughs> I joke, I jokingly, I jokingly said that. <laughs> That until you are you spend at least ten years in marriage, you don't be, be patient with counseling people. <laughs> yes, so congratulations, thank you. Um, so in the in the ten in the ten years that you've been you've been married, um, what what would you say has been your greatest challenge, and and how did you go about it? How did you handle it? Well, my greatest challenge was learning to include us i'm a very solo person I'm a, I'm a very i can be in a room by myself and i can be very solo you know sometimes when you preach or when you happen to you know uh, um, um, be involved in public speaking people may think you are an extrovert you know contrary to popular belief i'm a very shy person and i'm very quiet once the mics lights are off I can be alone by myself. Like that, that was that was it. That doesn't help her. She's very extroverted, very chatty. In the in the initial stages, I felt like, man, you're talking too much. It's okay. I'm getting bored. <laughs> you know, but I, I had to learn how to balance that out. Like, yo, and, and look at myself like you are being selfish. It's not about being you. You have to learn how to come out of that shell and then include us because now you are married to somebody. And I think also this is where marrying touches as an upside. But I was used to staying alone. Stayed alone for a very long time. That's why sometimes when you marry in your 20s, it's easier to break certain habits. You understand? Because it's not, it's still in the genesis of formation. Right? And you're in your 30s and 
you've done things, you've been alone. I'm, I'm used to, I can be alone by myself. So it, it, that was a huge challenge, huge, huge challenge. Learning how to like, it's okay to invade my space. That 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 was the challenge. I, I think it took me maybe two to three years to be able to consciously break myself off of that. Because if 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 you come into a marriage and you still have that solo act, uh, is going to drive a wedge between the two of you. So for me, I think that's been my biggest challenge: learning how to say us, we, let's do it together. We are in my space. It's okay. I don't have to always be. Even though now, I will say I still have times of solitude that, I'm, you know, graciously my wife will like, okay, he has to be alone by himself. Mm -hmm. That's good. But the, the thing is that you now have to work it in the context of marriage. Otherwise, if you don't work it in the context of marriage, you will be selfish. Mm -hmm. So that's been my biggest adjust. Mine, um, I think I think I I would say it's two of them, but one that I will share would be um, the culture. I can't, can't just ignore that, right? So um, uh, so and, and culture and background, um, because my background is really different than my husband's background. And um, why was that a challenge? Because my, a majority of my family didn't embrace this, didn't embrace our marriage. Um, and how did I overcome that? Well, there's two things. One, um, I saw it as my choice. And I was willing to lose them if they didn't agree with my choice. Um, and, and I was okay with that. Uh, second, the other thing that I did was embrace his culture and his background. Um, I really embraced it. I really got, I, I like to learn about his background. I learned about his culture. I learned, you know, I asked quite, I asked him a lot of questions. Um, why do they do that? Why do they dress like that? Why, why do they wear white? You know, like all those things. And I, and I really uh, wanted to learn about it. That's how I overcame it. Um, you know, and that goes back to the knowledge is power thing. And sometimes just, you got to learn your spouse, you know, and, and that, that's, that's a big challenge because um, uh, the last thing that you really want is friction between the in-laws, right? Because that just causes a lot of stress. And um, I just really wanted to let his family know that um, I was I was there for them. Amen. Amen. Good question. <laughs> Thank you, Lily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing too. He's going to say the same okay. thing. <laughs> I have a question too. Um, on your 20-year plan, like, I don't know if you guys would, would share it in the course of the series, but I'm really interested in knowing that is if it's okay, right? Because I would, I, would, like, I would like to do something like that. Okay. Okay. Well, we don't mind. Yeah. Maybe, one, maybe one day we just, because someone also shared 
Yeah, someone said, give us the templates and you know, we use. So it, it's shareable. Why not? Maybe one day we'll have to do someone say we should do a series. Okay. Maybe one day the people have spoken, so we will be like, yeah, well, one of these days we, we will have to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. That has helped us a lot. It's been our guide. I we thank God. Yeah. Let's go back to where are we? Well, yeah. You know, it hasn't really gone to plan per se, but uh, it's really helped us. Uh, envision our marriage as we, as we continue on. It keeps us on the same page too, yeah. I think. Yeah, because yeah, we can agree on, on certain goals and a lot of things are open. We've put it on paper. We've discussed it with each other and yeah, really helps. It's good. All right. Okay, we'll think about it. We'll, 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 we'll pencil the dates for that. Else, question or contribution, yeah, or you want to hear too? Like, um, I can ask one more question, yeah, sure. Um, so, so what would you say would be the greatest advice you've had about marriage? That has really helped you for for the past ten years. What what is the greatest advice you've had about marriage, or the advice that? I mean, among the advices that you've had, what was the the greatest one that is helping you guys stay right. together? I have one. I don't know. I don't okay. think it's going to be the same one. So the one that I because I. I was asked, I asked a lot of questions. I was really nervous before I got married. And um, I asked uh, one of my, she was actually my, my, my maid of honor. I asked her because she had gone through a lot in her marriage. And I asked her, I said, you know, do you have any advice for me before I just get married? And uh, she told me, she said something like this. She said, don't start something in your marriage that you can't keep and maintain. And I honestly didn't fully understand what she meant when she said it to me, but I took it and I remembered it. And then a year into our marriage, I started realizing what she meant. Um, Um, I really, really realized it, what she meant. You know, what that means is um, if, and it comes to simple things, because sometimes it's simple things that kind of make you mad at each other. You know, if you start, let's say, uh, I don't know, washing the dishes all the time, like when you first get married, let's say you're washing, the, oh, you don't want him to touch anything. Don't touch anything. I'm okay. I'm gonna wash all the dishes. Five years down the road, now you don't want to do that anymore. And you're thinking to yourself, I expect him to at least wash one dish, but you've set it up where you didn't want him to. So now 
you've kind of, I guess I, I hate to use the word train, but they've accustomed, you've accustomed your partner to certain things that you no longer want to do. So don't start things or don't do things that you know you can't. That's something that you don't want to always do. You know, um, make things clear from the beginning. Like oh, it, when it when it comes to like household things, I want things to be. This is what I can do. Can you help with this? You know, and just make things plain. That's why the communicating part is important. Um, and I really saw that. And it sounds very mundane, but sometimes those are the little things that can irk you on the day to day basis. Amen. Amen. Well, my greatest advice. So I have a greater advice. Number two will be personal because it was by my presiding bishop, um, Bishop Okoye Jemfi. But when I'm looking at my greatest advice, it was a CD given to me by Mr. Hayford, who is right here. Um, I, I went I went to Texas many years ago, probably 2007, on holidays, and he was playing a CD in the car called The Family by Miles Monroe. And I don't know why he did that, but we, we listened. I mean, we, we drove together everywhere. We listened. And then he dubbed me one. I, I was going to ask him that, could you dub me a copy of this CD? But maybe he read my thoughts. He dubbed me one and he gave it to me on the way to the airport. He's like, oh, uh, let me give you this CD. I said, what CD is that? It was the Miles Monroe message that he was playing this card throughout the duration of my stay. And to me, that's the greatest advice because the reason why I say that is Miles Monroe used Proverbs 24, verse 3 to 4 to preach. And he spoke about Building a family requires knowledge. I, I think the light bulb just went on because like it's, it doesn't take love. It doesn't take money per se to build family because he has seen people who are divorced. And the first question he has is that, do you love her? Do you love her? The answer is always yes. Then why are you divorcing? You know, so for me, understanding that it really put the onus on me to start taking marriage seminars very serious. And this was, I think, about four years down the line before I met Pastor Jessica. So before we met, I think we had both read up quite a lot on marriage, knew the expectations of marriage and what to expect and so forth. So I would say that's my greatest advice, building a family, building a home requires knowledge and if you read proverbs chapter 24 verse 3 to 4 it talks about through through knowledge a house is built by understanding these rooms in spanish and by wisdom uh precious gifts or something added to it so proverbs 24 3 to 4 if you read it you see that you use that to really talk on how knowledge builds a family it's not wealth not love for each other but knowledge you need to understand the marriage institution i think it puts so much responsibility on me like man i need to learn about what this marriage thing is all about before i enter so that's my greatest advice amen so mine is not a question it's just um in the series are you going to be talking about the role of the man and the role of the woman in a marriage if not please include that um what series would that be Marriage series. Yes. Do I, I don't have a marriage series. Do I have a marriage series? 
oh i thought this was going to be a series oh yes i think so i think it's going to be a series it's done <laughs> it's just one off next week i next week i'm back to understanding the kingdom of god from parables <laughs> No, I think we should vote. <laughs> I think we should vote. <laughs> so I should get, she wants to talk about the role of man. Yeah, we, oh, we, we could do that. Yeah. Yeah, we could, we could do that. Let's, let's pencil that data down. Yeah, because yeah. I think yeah. that's, I don't think you can answer that in even like a minute. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have we have to now look at. But there's, I mean, there's general, there's, because then, you know, so, uh, society, society, yeah. times have made that a little different than what maybe our parents know it to be. You people are putting pressure on me. I, I just told you, I confessed before we started that the least subject I like to preach on is marriage. Why are you guys doing this too? <laughs> well, I think that uh, because it's your least, the spirit of God is helping you to overcome that fear uh, anyway. <laughs> by making it to do a successful one. Uh, okay. We, we're looking into it. We have to do we have to do a yeah. series on this. Yeah. yeah. But I think in my head, right, in my head, I think um just like quick. I think men uh are meant to be providers and protectors. Um, women, I think, are meant to be supporters, right? Um, we support the, the home and we support the family. Um, um, and uh, I think that overall, that doesn't really change. No matter how modern the times become, it still remains the same. Like I, I had a young person ask me uh, one time, you guys can chip in what you think. She said to me, um, Jessica, you know, what if uh, you earned a lot more money than your, than your husband to the point that um, it, you both of you could live off of your salary? Uh, you had comfortable home, everything, and your husband stayed at home and took care of the kids. Would you be okay with that? What do you guys think? Does it change the role of a man and a woman, if that is the situation. Oh, I hear thinking happening. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's some of the reasons why I asked this question, because all over social media, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, like controversies, right? about the role of the man and the role of the woman. Yeah. Because now it's very different, right, from what our parents had. For them, it was more like it was defined for them. Like everybody just knew what their role was. The man is the provider, the woman is the nurturer, or I mean, the supporter. But now it's, it's blurred, right? You can't really tell. Because both of them are going to work, both of them are bringing in money. And like you said, sometimes the woman is even bringing in more. So it makes it, difficult like what is still the woman's rule if she's still going to work bringing in money and is she and then when it comes to the home is she still supposed to be the nature or is that also supposed to be a shared responsibility right so these are some of the things i was hoping that 
I mean, if you do have a series, like you could, you know, delve into. And then another thing is finances. I think that is also a major stress on marriage. And you talked about how you guys meet every month and then you talk about, I mean, you have a meeting on um, your finances. That's something I would also like to, you know, know more about. Like what exactly do you guys discuss? Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I would really like to know more about that. Too. All right. You know what? Um, I just penciled in my mind, February of next year, God willing. Just a few months. Yeah. If if crisis come in Tyrese, we will dedicate the whole of the month on marriage. Okay. We'll just talk on marriage. Yeah. So bear with us a bit long. Amen. Yeah, it also All gives right. us time to put things together. Right. I'm surprised that Pastor Frank is so quiet. quiet. Pastor Frank is very, very gifted, very anointed in the area of family, marriage, and relationships. I remember he preached an eight-part series on marriage, I think the Christian family, yeah, on, on his podcast. It's, it's something that I'll recommend all of you to listen. So I'm very surprised that He's on mute and he hasn't even said one word. And Pastor Frank is one of the few people that knows that I don't like preaching from the subject of marriage and he has refused to come to my aid. Amen. So Pastor Frank, you gotta, you gotta speak up, brother. You gotta help a brother here. Amen. All right. So please go and listen, find the message on this podcast. I think it's on SoundCloud and listen to the message, Christian family. Pastor Jessica and I, we listen to it every day during our breakfast time. And we always sent him feedback just to let him know, look, we listened. This is what we applied. He covered a whole lot from singleness to marriage, to raising family, to separation, divorce. He's very good. And it's not just one time. He he preaches a lot on that. Amen. So, Pastor Frank, can we hear your voice a bit, you know, on, on this subject? Amen. I'm, I'm being offended, brother. Hey, Pastor Stevie, you guys are yeah. doing such a great job. I'm just leaving it to it. I'm leaving it to it. <laughs> I'm enjoying listening. Um, good session, you know, great points. Um, so yeah, I have nothing to really say. So at this point, but um, we're looking forward. I think we are looking forward to February next year. <laughs> it's gonna be great. It's gonna be good. Okay, so let's keep Willie's questions in mind. Yeah, we'll keep that in mind. So please, yeah. please write it down. Yeah, if you don't and, mind. and the financial. So the, I think we could also talk about twenty-year plan during that time. Yeah. Please, Lily, please do mind if you if you text us the the questions, okay? So that when we are preparing, we, we 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 put all this together. together. Yeah. Yeah. There's a question um in the chat box from Francesca. Okay. What is the one thing your parents taught you about marriage that you have come to truly appreciate? Okay. My dad, the one thing he taught me was, guys, never, ever be separated. Because um, my dad and my mom, they had a strain on their marriage. Thankfully, they were able to resolve things, get back together and everything. But one of the major strings 
um, one of the things that led to the strain in the marriage that even caused the marriage to break, it broke down. The marriage broke down. They got divorced. And, you know, thank, thanks be to God. They remarried and everything. Go back to that husband and wife before his demise. He always believes that separation. And when it's talking about separation, it's talking about physically being there. It, it harms a marriage. So, for example, put it in context, um, my dad lived in abroad. Our family, we lived in Ghana, right? So he felt like living Ghana to go to England was a huge mistake in the name of pastors, green pastors, uh, looking for money, trying to build and better the family. He felt that was a big, big mistake. He always felt like that is something that if he could reverse the, the hands of time, he, he would have done that one thing, right? You know, so um, that's what he, he thought. I think that's the only advice he gave to me, like never be physically separated from your wife. Uh, when he spoke to me, son, let me tell you, never be physically separated from your wife. He said that with so much passion. And even though when we got married, the first two months, we weren't together. Now we got married October 11th, went back to England, ending of October. And then I came back January, January 15th. Uh, we stayed together as husband and wife. But when we separated, I used to come here quite often. You know, I would catch the plane Sunday after church, flying, you know, Sunday after church, I'll come and reach America Sunday afternoon, I'll be here Monday to Friday, and then I'm off to church. Even my, my I never really told church members I've traveled, you know. By the time they realize I'm back to church preaching, but in between those days, I've, I've gone to spend time with my wife. I've made sure that I, I come here as much as possible. It costed money though, but... I wanted to heed to that advice because I saw what it did firsthand, the impact it had on, you know, our family life, in a sense, even on my emotional life, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. So it's something that I, I take heed to. My mom, my mom told me once, never ever disrespect a woman. And let me say it in my local language. That's my mom. So I'm sorry for those who don't, who don't speak. She, I wish I could literally translate it, but that the interpretation just means that never take a woman for a ride and don't see her as a fool. So that 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 was her because uh, my mom spoke that out of pain. It was out of pain that made her said that. She said embu da. And and that has stayed with me. So these these two um, sets of advice from my father and mother uh, has kept me going. So I, I try to always put this at the forefront of my mind. Amen. Um, nothing. So directly, nothing. Uh, but from observation. Um, the one thing that is something that I keep with me when it comes to match from them is that what you see in the moment is only that. It's always temporary. 
So fight and stay together. Like always do your best to do what you gotta do, but stay together no matter what. That's one thing that just from observation, um, because my parents went through a lot of stuff, like we didn't grow up with money, we didn't, you know, and so um, a lot of things were hard, but they always fought to stay together no matter what. So that's just something that I just learned from them. Amen. All right, so we have nine more minutes on the clock. So 8.30 will be closing. So we have nine more minutes. So if you have any contribution, question, and just talk. So within 8.30, we'll just bring this to a close. I think we could go on. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think uh, what I can say that something Jessica just said that she said fight. That's something that we take for granted in relationship. It's, it's a fight which we have to fight every day. You have to fight to remind yourself that you are married. You have to fight for your spouse. My father-in-law gave me advice. He says anytime your spouse does something Put your spouse on the side and put the devil there. That is the devil that is trying to get into your marriage. If you can do that, you have a successful marriage. So, and when that happens, you have to go on your knees. You have to pray. I mean, you have to fight. You have to make sure that you don't take whatever thing they are doing personal. You know, I'm not saying that be all spiritual, but you have to know the source of the problem. And then when you do that, it will help you navigating through situations. One thing, uh, God, I, I shared this with Pastor Steve the other day. I was complaining, oh, I want my wife to do this, and I want her to do that, I want her to do that. And God spoke. I heard, he said, you know, all these things that you're complaining that you want your wife to do for you, why don't I'm expecting you to do the same thing to me, for me, God. So it's anything that we expect our spouses to do for us. We should know that God expects us to do it for him as well. So we should fight for our marriages. It's one thing that God takes pleasure in, one institution that God has blessed us with. And it's the, one, the same institution that would take a lot of people to away from salvation. So we shouldn't take it for granted. We should fight for it. Amen. Amen. It is, it is said, a good marriage will make you a counselor. A bad marriage will make you a philosopher. And if you don't take care, you will come up with philosophies that are not even in the Bible. You fear woman. Is it in the Bible? No, the Bible didn't tell us to fear woman. Amen. So... <laughs> May God make our marriages work. Amen. Well, either, either way, either way, if it's a good or a bad marriage, you will talk in it. You will talk. In a bad marriage, you will be a philosopher. You come up with a lot of these feminist ideas. When she realized that when she woke up, what's all that? Amen. So God help us. Amen. All right. 
Okay. Um, we've got five more minutes. Um, or oh, someone just logged on. Uh, can someone help, you know, help so that Elizabeth Yanka could at least get a gist of what we did tonight? Who help? Someone just joined in. We are just about to close. If one of you could just do us the honors by just sharing. Okay, this is what we learned. This is what we covered. This is what I learned. That'll be a blessing. Amen. And Elizabeth Yanka, please, um, this message will be on the podcast. So please do um, search for us on our podcast and listen. If you use iPhone, Apple Podcasts, Android, you know where to go. So you find us there and the message will be uploaded there. Amen. But can someone help Elizabeth before we close? One person. You know, small ways. Oh, nobody is willing to help Elizabeth. I see, see, come with us. We shall do you good. Let's, let's do goodbye. Recapping. Okay, let me. Yes. Let me. Um, I invited her, so let me recap for her. Okay. okay. I. I I don't have my notes with me. I, I couldn't um use my phone. I don't know why. Okay. So um Elizabeth, Pastor Steve and Pastor Jess are celebrating their tiny anniversary. And as a gift to us, they decided to share 10 lessons from their marriage, right? From their 10 years of marriage. So Pastor Steve shared five, and then Pastor Jess also shared five. Um, I will not be able to go through all the five. I do have my notes I can share with you. But one of the things that really um stuck with me was she muted she might have hit it by accident okay it's good to have you know like establish good habits so whatever habits you should it should be like in your very first year start because um, it's going to help you um the rest of the you know in the rest of your marriage and then um i think another thing that um I really liked was um from Pastor Jess. She also talked about I don't know if it was Pastor Jess or Pastor Steve, but appreciating um differences, and I think that's very important, you know, um because we all come with, you know, we are from different backgrounds, different cultures, and then Pastor Jess talked about how um I mean you can tell from from their color right that they are they are from different cultures different backgrounds right and she talked about how she's embraced um pastor steve's culture and we all can see it i mean besides her wearing and um, the dress today i've visited them before she cooks you know Ghanaian meals you can tell that she she really tries and she does a very good job of it so it's it's mm -hmm. I, I guess what i took from it is it's important to you know like accepts your spouse the way they are even if there are things that you would like to change right but it's it's good to make an effort make an effort to understand them and then you know like really try to um what's the word like just embrace and appreciate their difference right mm -hmm. I, I i thought those two were like very um those two really resonated with me in there those those are the two that i'm really taking away with me today so yeah god bless you Amen. God bless you too. 
Elizabeth, Thank by you. tomorrow, the message will be uploaded. So just search for us on the podcast. And then. All right. Thank so, you, Pastor Steve. All right. Okay. Um, let's pray. Uh, my only prayer for all of us is that may we grow in Christ likeness. That's it. When we grow in Christ likeness, everything else will fall into place. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight's session. We pray that may we grow more and more in Christ likeness. May we conform to the image of who you truly are, O oh Lord. May the fruit of the Spirit in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, be very evident in our Christian work and our Christian devotion with you because we know the presence of these will help us to relate well with people, including our immediate ones who happen to be our spouses. Thank you, Lord, for your depth of knowledge, wisdom, and truth that you've highlighted through your vessels tonight. Uh, we pray that may these not fall on hard grounds, may it not fall on thorny soils, but may it fall on good hearts and bring forth many dividends. We pray that whoever will hear the taping of this on the podcast, may they experience healing, may they experience a refreshing, may they experience divine concepts from you, O oh Lord, that will change the trajectory and the course of their union. Father, we, we, we come this evening on this 10th anniversary and we say we give it all to you. To you be all glory, to you be all praise in Jesus' name. Thank you for what you've done. We bless your people, O oh Lord, as they are living, Lord. Guide them in their sleep. Uh, protect them. May the rest of the week be a blessing, O oh Lord. May they have a testimony and may, may things that you have promised for them May they see the actualization of it in, in the next few days of this working week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Let me leave you with a final announcement. On Sunday, we will have service in Dallas, Texas. All right, so we'll not really be at our local church. We'll have service in Dallas, Texas with our presiding bishop and, and the first lady, Lady Reverend Grace Adujemfi. Um, they are in town. And the occasion is that we are celebrating our Deputy General Overseer, Bishop Richard Quartensi, who happens to also be the pastor of the Dallas branch. He's, he's having a 60-40 celebration, 60 years of age, 40 years in ministry. So on behalf of ICCB, Jesse, Pastor Steve, and Pastor Jessica, we will represent. So uh, we will just give you the link on Facebook link, YouTube link, whichever, and follow us um, via streaming and, and, and let's enjoy service. So today, we will, this, this coming Sunday, we will not be our local church having service, but we will have one service in Dallas, Texas. So please don't, don't count us about this. Do tune in and stream and watch us. And presiding bishop will be preaching. who's our father and also our pastor. So he'll be there preaching. So please make a date with us in Dallas, Fort Worth, as website, uh, Facebook link or YouTube link, however, you will get the message to stream. And God willing, on the 22nd, we will have service at our, our local branch. Amen. So that's the only announcement we have for now. So thank you all. Uh, God bless you all. Uh, good night. Good night, guys. Thanks for joining.